Hello, my name is Claire and you are listening to the Hypno Birthing Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. I hope everyone's doing good. Today's episode I'm so excited to share with you. It was a really, really great story. So Melanie is a podcast listener and she actually contacted me because she wanted to share her story with you guys. And it's a really great story, but for three particular reasons why we thought it would be great to share. Firstly, Melanie is a solo parent, so she was approaching her birth prep in a slightly different way um, from many of the other guests that we've had on the show before. Secondly, she actually went to 43 weeks of pregnancy, so she actually gave birth at 43 weeks, which is not unheard of by any means but not that common so we wanted to talk about that and she wanted to share her experience of that with you and lastly she had quite a big change in plan right towards the end of her pregnancy so how did she deal with that and you know how did she use her hypnobirthing to kind of adapt to the new plan so something else just to note about Melanie this is not related to birth or this podcast at all but I thought you guys might find this really interesting. She actually is an ex-yacht chef so for anybody who is a below deck fan (laughs) that might feel quite exciting to you. She used to uh, yeah be a chef on super yachts which I think sounds really interesting but she has written a book on her experience of being a chef on a luxury yacht and it's actually called Behind Ocean Lines and it's by Melanie White and it's actually out today so I'm going to leave a link to it below if anyone is interested I said to her I would let you guys know because what an accomplishment writing a book Um, so anyone who's interested in anything like that then please go check it out anyway I'm going to play the episode for you now Melanie welcome to the podcast if you would like to introduce yourself to everybody. Um, Hi everyone I'm Mel I live in Bedford and I'm going to tell you my birth story about how I had my son Alfred after 43 weeks. Wow yes so that is one of the things I'm really interested to hear all about because as we know and we kind of talked about this a bit before I clicked record but you know, the length of pregnancy is one of those topics, isn't it? And you kind of get to around 40 weeks, 41 weeks, and then there gets quite a bit of pressure put on. So the fact that you went to 43 weeks and you had a perfectly healthy, perfectly average sized baby, hopefully (laughs) will dispel some of the myths I think that we, we hear about being, um, kind of, overdue not that I want to say overdue but you know what I mean in quotation marks (laughs) in quotations no one can see that so we just have to tell them that we're doing quotation marks (laughs) when we say overdue perfect so um you used to listen to the podcast Um, yes yes so you are a previous podcast listener um and yeah wanted to come on and share your story which is always great always open to um having people on to share their story so tell us a little bit about what made you interested in hypnobirthing? Where did that kind of interest come from? Well, I knew about hypnobirthing long before I became pregnant. I had friends that had used hypnobirthing and I think I'd also listened to it in a variety of ways or listened about the hypnobirthing experience through other podcasts, but they weren't Um, necessarily a hypnobirthing podcast. Yeah. So as soon as I became pregnant, I knew I wanted hypnobirthing in my space during my journey. And so 
I I literally searched hypnobirthing in Spotify. I thought there's got to be a podcast out there, which obviously this one does what it says on the tin. So yeah, <laughs> it, it tends to come up first because of the name. Yeah. So I think I made That's a good great. choice. The name. Very, very good choice. Um, and so I was very keen from the outset that I wanted to use hypnobirthing. And actually I found this podcast a really great resource to then find other spaces that I was, or things I wanted to listen to. So I found the episode with Kemi Johnson really helpful. Her content is, I mean, it's not for everybody, but for yeah. me, it really informed my journey. And as I was working as a policy advisor, so for me, policy and policy around the maternity services was something I was really interested in. Yeah. So that actually helped my preparation. Um, and also I loved the episode on aromatherapy. So if anyone's listening now, go back to those episodes because I yeah. think, and the aromatherapy one, I will come to it, but that some information from there really played a wonderful part in my birth. So I would say definitely listen to it. Amazing. Um, and you're right about the Kemi Johnson episode. Yeah. It was, I knew it was going to be one of those that for some people they would really like resonate with it and think, mm-hmm. yes, this is the content for me like this is what I need mm. to be hearing mm. um but I also was aware that probably for some people they might not be quite ready for yeah. her complete honesty so yeah always approach with caution but it is a very important episode because I think so the thing yeah. she talks about everybody should should listen to so yeah yeah, yeah she's great it's Kenny, really so. great it's really great and I also use I would listen every Tuesday to the clubhouse which is another really great resource yes so it is where everybody's you know there's midwives in the room there's doulas there's yeah. birth keepers all tackling birth and also talking about hypnobirthing in there and and just yeah so I found myself immersing myself in these spaces every time I was working or doing something else I was either listening to something related right. to birth reading I kind of became obsessed with it. Yeah. But I think you naturally do when you know your body is going to have to go through this mammoth journey. Um, for me, kind of putting my head under the covers wasn't what I wanted to do. I really wanted to be as informed as possible. So hypnobirthing really allowed me to, to do that. Yeah. I think, um, and there were lots of ways in which, I mean, you can't plan for a birth, but you can prepare. And I think that is where hypnobirthing comes in it's in such a wonderful way and for me I'm solo parenting and I became I shifted into solo parenting kind of or the vision of that in my late second trimester so that really started informing how I wanted to move into motherhood and also how I was going to walk into that space in a way that's not a very stereotypical one even though there are plenty of people solo parenting and I think that's why I wanted to open my story by saying I'm saying I'm doing that because I found this really big vacuum when I was pregnant and once I became single I thought oh is anyone else doing this and and everything I was listening to it was like oh me and my husband or yeah. it was all very you know 2.4 children yeah <laughs> you're right I wasn't in that dynamic anymore yeah. or at all really not anymore so I think I I really wanted to make sure I I say this at the beginning of my story. You know, I am a single mum, but it's worth saying. You know, Alf, who's my son, his dad was my birth partner, and we still have you know a good and healthy relationship. But I am the primary carer, so right. there is a 
a very different side to this story just in that respect yeah so I hope people listening can if they are in that situation think no no I can I can do this I'm sure there will be lots that listen that are in that same situation so yeah having a story that perhaps they can relate to in a different way to the other stories that are on here is yeah really beneficial so there's all different you know I mean everyone has different setups there's all different Mm -hmm. dynamics so learning how to deal with that whatever your situation might be even if it changes throughout your pregnancy as well as yours did being able to adapt and I think hypnobirthing gives you some tools for those things as well like being able to to forget the things one of the uh, really good affirmations that I love is I let go of what I can't control and Mm. I I control what I can basically (laughs) I didn't say that very well it's much nicer than that (laughs) but uh, basically that's the gist of it and I think that's a good tool and a good affirmation to have throughout pregnancy and labor anyway because as we know it doesn't always follow a specific plan so Mm. but it's a great thing to have anyway in general life because life throws us curveballs doesn't it all the time so absolutely and also I think actually having hypnobirthing that can be a practice that does stay the same so actually you are keeping in control of something and you are using that resource and I know that I would listen to the same music every night in the shower and that was it became kind of a rehearsal of activating things that I felt well that can stay the same even if everything else changes so those are like things like that are called like triggers or anchors so they use them in Mm hypnotherapy but also in hypnobirthing as you've experienced but yeah things like having the same music playing or having the same smells so you talked about aromatherapy Mm -hmm. already but having kind of familiar smells familiar sounds things like that around you during your practice helps you Mm -hmm. in your labor because it kind of Mm -hmm. triggers that relaxation feeling in you so yeah it's definitely part of kind of how it works which is great so Would you like to share your story with us? Yes, I'll get into the nitty gritty. (laughs) So um, I will start by saying kind of my my pregnancy journey, I didn't enjoy being pregnant. (laughs) You know, it's completely fine to not enjoy being pregnant. Yeah. Um, And but having said that, I didn't have an immensely complex pregnancy. So in that respect, in NHS's eyes, I was deemed low risk in adverters commas. And, and so I was able to kind of continue through my pregnancy with minimal concern mm-hmm. or worry about or anything really to fear around birthing. And I, I basically, the more I delved into the world of, of hypnobirthing and all of these amazing spaces online, I decided I'd like a home birth. And my ideal would be a home birth setup. And that was for a number of reasons. I felt like I could relax properly at home. I was going to be moving back in with my parents, at least in the final stages of my pregnancy and for the, a number of months afterwards. So um, I would have that support. And also that meant my mum could be there, but also Alf, my son's dad, could come as well. And there was no kind of restrictions on who could be there. Um, and it was quite important to me that I wanted to be able to maintain this you know, you want to keep the oxytocin going. And for me, being in a hospital setting for some people isn't a stress inducer, but for me, it definitely became one. And it was something that I wanted all my options open. And I think that was something that is really beneficial to know as well. If you pick home birth, you can you can go to hospital anytime you want. Exactly, Even if it's yeah. a day, you know, weeks before and you think, actually, now I'm going to go to hospital. Yeah. That's great. You know, at least you've got all your options open. Yeah. 
so I'd prepared for all of that but I had also prepared for when if I had to go in hospital and if I had to have a c-section so I did all my research in those areas great just so that I wasn't completely closed off because I knew you know getting myself it does feel like a holy grail to many people and it kind of is you know if you can have a home birth that's amazing but I was under no illusion that it might not be straightforward and as I approached my inadvertent cover inverted commas due date (laughs) I realized (laughs) the pressure was soon going to ramp up and I was really aware that when women get towards 40 or 41 weeks the hospital start getting very nervy and they all of a sudden don't want you to be birthing at home mm-hmm. again like it's your right to birth wherever absolutely so for me I knew the pressure was going to ramp up but it wasn't something that I was with willing to you know let go of without yeah. a lot of decision making behind it and not just someone coming in to tell me and so I think it's worth me saying like three things that were in each of my birth plans both or preferences for home and in hospital they kind of are by default for home because you wouldn't be able to have these things anyway but I really really did not want any syntocin on and that is the induction drug that they use on a drip um, to kind of falsely contract your uterus so that you can birth your baby and I'd done a huge amount of research on it I'm a bit of a nerd so I'd read loads of scientific research and papers and I you know, got got my head kind of into the fact that on no circumstances was that drug going to enter my body. And for some people, they have there are, I know there's positive induction stories out there, but for me, my headspace was in the fact also that I didn't want continuous monitoring. And when you have syntocin on, you don't know how your baby's going to react to it. And so you are going to have to be closely monitored. So that means hospital, that means definitely yeah. continuous monitoring and of course the likelihood of you going into back-to-back contractions and it's that conveyor belt into yeah. a medicalized birth yeah. um assisted deliveries and also a 60 chance of c-section so for me yeah. i think more and more people are becoming aware that it's becoming a gateway into that kind of birth but i was really relieved i'd found that particularly in my first birth or first pregnancy and also that I made that call that that wasn't going to be me but how Um, great is that because actually like you're right those interventions so easily cascade like you're just saying so you know it's good to recognize that and I think the issue that so many people have is that they just don't know that that potentially could happen because it's just not talked about like we don't don't tell you they don't tell you so unless you on a course or you do your reading or whatever you know and you educate yourselves on it it's you don't know so the fact that you knew that that allowed you to make that choice of actually I'm not willing to accept those possible further Mm. interventions so I'm not going to do that but also important to say and as you said already for others they may be happy accepting those potential risks that come with that but for you it gave you a good kind of point of where you were and you knew that no, I don't want that, which yeah. is amazing. So you're yeah. confident in that decision, which is great. Yeah, and it was really black and white for me. So from that point, you can then kind of eliminate other further things that you don't want. So for me, I felt also with syntocin on, and it's something that I'm quite passionate about, I knew the risks of then postnatal depression, or that it does seem to be a, a link between postnatal depression and syntocin on. 
And having had, I've had a long journey with, I work in the mental health arena. I had some dips in my mental health in my early 20s. I was completely aware and absolutely sure that I was going to do everything I could to make sure that my mental health wasn't at risk. Yeah. And so for me, that was another kind of door shut on syntocin on and uh, an artificial induction. Also, the other thing was that I didn't want pain relief. And that's really specific to me. Um, Obviously, for some people, they do want pain relief. But I really wanted ALF to be able to enter the world not drugged or drowsy. And I knew if I was going to be putting strong drugs in my body, they'd be going to him. And also, there would be a likelihood that he might not be as not unresponsive but just not yeah they're a bit sleepier sleepy, sometimes sleepy yeah. and I thought do you know what I you know I would like his entry into the world to hopefully be you know a calm and calm one I mean yeah. it wasn't calm I definitely wasn't that calm but I wanted as calm as possible to, as calm as possible um but I wanted him to be aware and yeah. um and he was he, he was born eyes wide open he was he was ready to kind of see the world but great uh so no pain relief but I was happy to have uh, gas in air because I knew yeah. it would enter my you know bloodstream and exit it with every breath and I was happy with that and also tens machine and that yeah. really saw me through and then the other thing so I've mentioned it already so there's three things that I just didn't want and that was continuous monitoring I knew if there was anything that meant that there needed to be a check on house heart rate that I would accept it, but I did not want anything continual. I wanted intermittent monitoring if necessary. Um, and again, that's due to kind of the correlation between people having assisted deliveries and, you know, C-sections yeah. that through panic rather than actually yeah. knowing what's going on and trusting the process. Yeah. So for me, I really trusted my body. I trusted him. And that was my my affirmation throughout my whole pregnancy so I'd go swimming every week and as I was swimming I'd go I trust my body I trust my baby with each stroke and that for me really really gave me such a good mindset which meant that when it started heating up towards the end I could really try and put the shutters down on what medical professionals were saying and me try and say okay now what is my body doing and what am I amazing so as I was saying, I've got approached 41 weeks and I thought, oh dear, this home birth is going to start being at risk soon. And it was, I, I, I went for week, my weekly checkups. There was no protein in my urine. There was, and my blood pressure was fine. And so I was like, you know, I'm happy to keep going until I went a day over 41 weeks. <laughs> and then right. the pressure from the hospital really ramped up. I received phone calls every day trying to get me in for continuous monitoring goodness yeah it was really intense um and I kept saying no I said look everything's fine his movements are normal I am completely happy I'm still birthing at home yeah uh, if I can and this was from 41 weeks as well 41 weeks I was under a huge amount of pressure I then got to 42 weeks and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, they're really going <laughs> There's going to be someone at your door every day. Yeah. And I thought to myself, oh. And also I was like, you know, you're so uncomfortable towards the end. I was yeah, so uncomfortable. I was like, oh. You're so vulnerable at the end yeah. because you're right at the end. You know, you're, you are, you're uncomfortable. Your hormones are crazy. So yeah. all of this pressure, like it's so hard it's at the so end, hard. especially because so you are hard. so vulnerable. Yeah. So it's a bit like. I, know, I mean, you know, I know why they do it because, again, you know, they have their protocols and all of this. Mm. But it is a little bit cheeky because people are 
much more susceptible to being uh, that, kind of yeah, coerced absolutely, absolutely. So, and hmm. I think this I had my the nail in the coffin for me was a 40 at 42 weeks I had a senior midwife call and 50 minutes on the phone of why I needed to come into hospital 50 and I yes I recorded it because I knew I knew it, it was, was going to be a really stressful conversation great but I mean she really threw every scare tactic in the book at me she said look you'll probably hemorrhage at home and I was like no I really don't see why I'll hemorrhage at home oh in God. any greater risk than I would do in hospital in fact for me I think the big thing was that stat which you've shared on your Instagram and that's it's it's as safe for the baby to be born at home and it's more safe for the mother and I think yeah. as soon as if anybody's thinking about home birth now and they have that with them, that stat. So even if your birth partner, your family or whatever, it says, oh, isn't that a bit risky? Like, I think as soon as people hear that, they think, oh, actually, why yeah. are we visualizing the hospital as the safest place? Yeah, it's not it's and not for everyone. Like for some people, for absolutely. Everybody. But for a lot of people, being out of the hospital is mm. actually more beneficial for them. Yeah. But we're just so in this kind of narrative that, hospital is safe yeah birth is medical so it's really difficult to Mm. break out from it when you have parents and you know people giving their opinion on how unsafe it is to be at home but it's just a misguided opinion really yeah absolutely so I mean I was (laughs) I had this had this phone call like I was saying and they also gave me the stats of you know you're the risk of stillbirth doubles now and of course I was like yes but what does it double from and to and exactly. of course it's you know one in one thousand to two in one thousand whatever yeah. it is I mean it's so minute yeah, it's really. 0.4 to 0.6 so like you know a 50% increase absolutely yeah. but tiny you know still yeah, tiny. Really tiny yeah and I so I I called her out on it and I was like well that's not enough of a risk for me to come in and so she was like okay but you know you're your, ba- your your baby might be too big to birth. And I was like, why would my body make a baby that's too big for me to birth? Like, it doesn't make any biological sense. And if that was the case, we wouldn't have got to 2022 yeah. at all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know. You know. I know, I don't. And, and she said, well, I know it sounds quite hard to believe. And I said, yes. So that's why I'm saying no. <laughs> like it's, he's fine and he is moving normally. Yes, I'm at 42 weeks. But another real clincher, and once I got to 41 weeks, was I knew my conception date. Right. And they wouldn't be, they wouldn't put my conception date in hospital down. They wanted the scan date. And yeah. obviously scans we know are like 15% inaccurate. Yeah. So for me, for them to say based on a scan yeah. that my baby was going to be too big was just a no-go yeah. for me <laughs> or that it was due on a certain date because yeah. I could I knew when I could you knew it so, you knew when it was exactly so based on my dates Alf was born at 40 weeks and five days God, they, were, they were really on, out and based on them I he was born at 43 weeks so technically you know I'm I am a 43 weeker but actually that's all of these dates are all. They were so the out. Yeah. And they wouldn't, they just wouldn't. And it's because I was, of course, they also go on um, your menstrual cycle. And yeah. I got pregnant very, very late in my cycle, which is why it was such a surprise. Hugely late, day 26. I mean, really bizarre. Wow, so late. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, I don't I don't. Let know. this be a warning I mean, to everybody. <laughs> I was like, absolutely. Let this be a warning. And, you know, 
honestly it was so unbelievable so you knew that you weren't as far along as they were saying and yet they were going off of their kind of measurements that they had for the baby which is why they thought the baby was going to be bigger I suppose but yeah so at all points I could say look I know my body and I know I'm fine and they weren't willing to listen to that so again she was like well can you come in for continuous monitoring I said no or at least the monitoring is only good for the period of time that you're listening to the baby and mm-hmm. for me I was like I know he's fine you know he's doing all his normal movements you know anyway yeah I said but I will if I'm not <laughs> I haven't given birth by 42 plus five days okay I will come in for a scan that's not for a growth scan but that is to check the blood flow through the umbilical cord right and for me that was important because my sister had had preeclampsia and her son was born at 29 weeks. So wow. but she was really very ill in her pregnancy, but right. they were checking that blood flow quite regularly. And I thought for myself, look, it would be reassuring for me to know that yeah. actually everything's fine, but you're yeah. not going to be measuring that baby. No. So- and that's great. You're making all of these choices yourself. Like that's really important because you are in perfect control of what you want done and you are trusting your instincts you know you know that you don't have to do these things and you're doing what's right for you which is 100% like completely what you should be doing yeah and I think it is it's really easy at that point to say am I making the right decisions here and what was really beneficial was by that point I was living with my mum and she'd done the hypnobirthing course with me so we'd really been in the same space in same mentality as this for for the, the remainder of my pregnancy and she was able to be like, no, Mel, you you know, you know your gut, go right. with it. Yeah. And I think that really helped. And so anyway, 42 plus five came. I still couldn't believe I was pregnant. And <laughs> I, I went in with my mum and they did the scan. Everything was fine. They didn't check the size. I had to repeat to them that, no, don't take the size. But also I was still under huge pressure in that time to go and see a consultant. And I said, no, don't give me an appointment. They then gave me a phone appointment. I said, I'm not going to be answering this phone call. Please, can you cancel the appointment? I'm not wasting people's time. Like, I love it. That's because I'm over, like, and what was yeah. hilarious is this midwife told me she was reading from a policy document that said what to do with a woman after 41 weeks. <laughs> so I thought to myself, like, you don't know what to do with me. You've never had someone go over 42 weeks before and you're freaking out, but I'm fine. You're causing all these issues. You're out there in the community. They don't know what you're doing, running around. I'm a risk to society. You know, this is what, anyway, I thought to myself, right. So we went in and, but then I did say, look, I need to do my blood pressure and my urine check. That's fine. And unfortunately I was absolutely gutted, but I had protein in my urine and my blood pressure was high. And, you know, that is a sign of mild preeclampsia. And for me, I'd put all of the thought into what happens if Alf's not okay. I'd not really given all the thought into what happens if I'm not. And so I thought, do you know what? This is the this is the kind of bit in my story where things are going to change. And I, it did. It took a bit of kind of it was a bit of a grief process, really. Yeah. Having to let go of okay, this home birth me. I I can't really birth now at home because. Yeah, I might be unwell and that's not a risk that's worth taking. So I was admitted to hospital on the Wednesday and I then knew I was like, okay, now I'm in hospital. This pressure for induction is going to go even more through the roof now. Yeah. 
Um, and also with monitoring, so can we monitor the baby? And I said, look, you can do 20 minutes, but I feel fine. Like he's moving, but I couldn't account for this high blood pressure. And, and so they wanted to get my blood pressure under control. And that's fine. You know, I'm going to accept blood pressure medication for me. And, but I was then in hospital. Oh, do you, you know, they wanted to induce me. They wanted, and I was like, oh, I just, I just, this is just something they I don't want. To. want. So kind of every hour or so, there'd be somebody coming around saying, you know, we'd like to get you onto a plan, at least maybe give you, a, you know, one of the pessaries. I was like, no, <laughs> no, I'm good. So, you know, you can treat me for the blood pressure, but this yeah. is as far as it's going. Um, but I did say, look, if by Thursday evening, I haven't gone in. You know, it's all these things you learn in hypnobirthing. Like, give it time. Give yourself yeah. some time. Set yourself some boundaries. Yeah. Which is exactly so look, what you did. If if I'm not, if I'm not underway by tomorrow evening, yeah, I will maybe reconsider some of my options. Definitely not a medicalized induction, but a sweep is something that I was never. I never had a strong um, opposition to a sweep. Yeah. You know, for me, there was, there's no drugs involved. For some people, there are different outcomes. But for me, I thought, you know, I could. And I have managed to go for two weeks saying no on sweets. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll consider it. And I did. I got to the, um, Alf's dad came and kind of the next, the Thursday evening, I thought, do you know what? I would be, I think I would like a sweep. So I accepted one and they were like, oh, you're already two centimetres dilated. <laughs> and I said, I could have told you that because I've been <laughs> practicing hicks or like practice contractions. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really nearly there. I don't need inducing. Yeah. Well, at least I don't need some toast on. Anyway, um, the next morning contraction started really regular from the off. And it was hard because I was on an open ward with six other women and I was just, you know, had a curtain. Mm. So for me, that's really hard to kind of get your head into the mindset of like trying to feel that unwatched safe yeah. you know, what you want to create for birth was not going to be how I was entering yeah. the early stages it's so different from hard. your your original plan wasn't it of yeah. where you would be at that point so different so I had I I had a, a um, eye mask I had my nice. you know my scripts going in my ears um Al's dad made sure I'd got a birth ball by my bed and like we kind of hunkered down. He made sure I kept hydrated. And nice. I think we tried to create a nice, as nice a space as possible in that little corner that we had. And by the afternoon, I was at a position that I could go to the delivery suite. Now, I mean, I think the in terms of pain, the TENS machine really saw me through for quite a lot of it. And that felt really empowering. I think every time I was kind of, no, at no point did anyone ask me, do you want pain relief? And Alfstad had made it quite clear, like that that's not part of any of her preferences. Right. Um, but for me, it kind of felt empowering. Every time I got through another contraction or surge, if you want to call it a surge, it was like, oh no, I've, I've got a bit further. I've got a bit further. Yeah. And so once I got onto the onto the delivery suite, that's when I started finding it really stressful because my environment had changed so drastically yeah. I was then in my own room but there was a lot of people in the room the midwife had a student with her the doctors were really interested like wanted to know what was going on with my blood pressure and my blood pressure was being taken every 15 minutes they were keeping a really close eye and it was going through the roof and I think they were hugely concerned but I was right. more like just 
leave me you know I need to, yeah. to like hunker down and focus so I would say I was quite I'm not sure I did the best job of you know keeping my cortisol levels down necessarily because I was just like people need to get out you know I need yeah, to be on my help. own yeah I need to be on my own but at this point it started getting really pressurized in terms of they were really concerned with the blood pressure and so they wanted to give me a magnesium drip and that's something that they give to prevent seizure or at least re- reduce the risk of seizure mm. so again this is accepting medication based on my health but not necessarily the babies yeah. yeah and so I mean it was really hard to even have those conversations whilst contracting I mean, my contractions were every three minutes so yeah I mean even trying to get your head around okay I'm gonna now have a drip in my arm yeah I've got a blood pressure cuff on one side I want to stay mobile you know they were like please get on the bed I'm like nope <laughs> you know bring mats in I want to be in a corner and also it was hard to accept that really was difficult especially when you're in labor land where you're you really can't think straight and that's when your birth plan is so important they're so important and so I was aware this or at least Alfstab was aware as soon as I accepted this drip they're going to want to put me on continuous monitoring and I'd said like, I don't want to be on it, but intermittent's fine. Anyway, this was really a hard no with them. And Alfstad said, right, if if she has to be on this continuous monitoring, then we want it a remote one so she can still move. Because bear yeah. in mind, she's got now a cannula in one hand, yeah. you know, blood pressure cuff in the other. Like, she's already inhibited. Please don't give her something else that means that she can't move. Yeah. So they agreed to that, but then they couldn't get the machine to work. <laughs> so they then put me on one that was fixed and I felt I was really annoyed at this point that it felt like I wasn't being listened to but I had a birth partner that was there ready to kind of say look this isn't what we agreed yeah and that was what was really great so I think at all stages that hypnobirthing feeling was in the room it might not have been that I had like this candlelit birth but I had the empowerment yeah I was in power in terms of what I was deciding on and I had somebody that was willing to make that absolutely clear yeah and also you know a a hypnobirthing birth doesn't have to look that certain way I know we have in our mind and you probably had that in your mind when you visualize your birth when you're pregnant Mm -hmm. but actually you know birth looks all different types of ways as you know you're you're proving as well and you can hypnobirth and be in a situation that you know, on paper might not look like it's a, a hypnobirth, but it absolutely is. And you were doing like you were doing like 110% hypnobirthing. <laughs> definitely doing it. Whatever I could basically. Yeah. To keep, keep, you know, stress out of the room. But what was your mum was your mum allowed in? Well? My mum wasn't allowed in. Oh. And so oh. this was, I mean, fortunately with Alfstad, I'd been really clear about all my preferences. Yeah. I'd you know, he'd read the hypnobirthing matters book. Good. I'd kind of made sure that he was on board with exactly what I was doing. And at the Christmas time before I'd given birth, we sat down and had, you know, a big long conversation of if they say this, you do this. You know, I'd really got to the point yeah. where I knew exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Unfortunately for me as well, he's a lawyer. So he's not afraid of kind of right. really questioning people and like questioning people and like for confronting him, like, this isn't this isn't law here so yeah you know, great this is that's policy. good this is yeah. policy. so 
for me, it didn't. He didn't. He wasn't concerned about not being liked by medical school. Yeah, he doesn't care. Just, he doesn't <laughs> care. So that's what was really good. And I think then we had a shift change. So I'd been in labour. It was it was between seven. So it's now nearly seven pm. So about twelve hours, and I had a shift change. And what that really made a difference. So I had a different midwife come in, and until this point, it'd been really a battle to try and get me off this continuous monitoring. And you know. Alf's dad saying, look, this really isn't what we agreed. And, you know, we, you, she's been continuously monitored now for 45 minutes. Alf hasn't been inadvertently affected by this magnesium. Please, can we get her off? And when the new midwife came on, all she said was, do you know your risks? I said, yes. And she said, great, we'll take it off. And she started using a doctor. Oh, it's so simple. It's so simple. <laughs> it's so simple. And you just, it's its almost luck of the draw, what staff you're going to yeah. get. And I'm really pleased that at that point in my labour, I then could feel like I was being listened to when it was starting to really yeah. be important as well. Yeah. And what was interesting is before I had this drip, I felt like I was getting to the point of transition. I was mooing. Amazing. I was like so close, but the drip really stalled that. Right. And so, you know, I thought I'd been close. And then I asked for an examination. She said, well, you're only four centimetres. Or not, she didn't say you're only four centimetres. She said you're four centimetres. And oh, I really? could not believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I've been in labour 12 hours. I've been labouring well. I was moving, I was so close. I, like in my body, I was like, I was more than that. And I'm yeah. sure that that drip has meant, you know, I had yeah. six medical professionals in the room trying to get this drip on. I mean, gone I think I've gone bit. backwards. Yeah. So I was really gutted, but I then instantly transitioned. It was so bizarre. I went from wow. being four centimeters dilated to all of a sudden saying the classic lines of, I can't do this anymore. Give Get me, me out of here. <laughs> and I did. I uttered those words. I was like, I don't want to do it. Give me a C-section. And I, I told Alf's dad, I said, the second I say those words, I'm transitioning. So look me in the eye and say no. And <laughs> so he got that on his like notepad. Of, well, I don't even know if he had the notepad at this point, but I had written notes. I was like, if I, I'm transitioning at that point. So you've got to be really yes. strong. Tell yeah. me no. And I don't want pain relief. So don't all of a sudden think she wants an epidural coming yeah. to medical staff in. And he looked me dead in the eye and was like, Mel, you don't want that. And I was so cross. I was like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And he's like, Mel, no, you don't. And of course, when you're in that stage, you don't know. You really no. don't. You're in labour land. Like, you are not. You, yeah, to you. Fifty feet to you. You yeah. wanted that. You genuinely wanted that. Yeah. But actually, I, I did But you didn't. I've been no. doing 12 hours of, yeah. you know, at that point, you're, you are. You're knackered. Yeah. And you just want it over with it. It's incredible. Your body absolutely does that thing where you're like, no, I'm done. And that is the signal yeah. that you're moving into the pushing stage. Exactly, yeah. And so what was fantastic, and it's my favourite part of the labour, if you can even use those words, but is that I listened to that um, podcast about rain therapy. And in my pregnancy, I bought a meditation blend, which had frankincense in it. Nice. And I'd heard that, you know, at transition, you waft a bit of frankincense, then actually the mum's brain all of a sudden clicks and realises they've transitioned. And it's, you know, it's a really good cue for them. Wow. So I'd said to him, as soon as I've transitioned, try putting this under my nose. And of course, uh, well, I actually ran to the loo and like hid I did that classic thing of going into a small space yeah. and unseen yeah 
And of course, also this huge amount of pressure because you need to go to the loo because the baby's yeah. head's so low. And I came out and I instantly knew what position I wanted to be in. I'd been avoiding the bed like the plague because, of course, I didn't want to be made to lay down. Yeah. But I got on my knees and I hang, like, hung yeah. myself over the back of the bed and yeah. had the rails on the bed. So I was up, upright, forward and open. It was, it was great. Yeah. And but my body just knew I wanted to get into that position. Yeah. And... And um, after I wafted a bit of that, that meditation went under my nose and I went, oh, I transitioned. I literally, it was like my brain all of a sudden clicked and was like, oh my God, oh my God I'm in the next stage. And I completely, it absolutely worked like that. And I looked at him and I was like, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> and I'd gone from all of this. I can't do it to, I can just. That's so great. It. How amazing. It was great. It was great. And I, I was like, I'm so pleased that I'd heard about it because yeah. what's funny is in my pregnancy I really couldn't stand the smell of it I was like oh I really don't like the smell of this and I, I really hope that this is going to work and then all of a sudden it was like the best smell in the world when I was in how funny of my labor so that was great and then really from that point on what was interesting is the midwife just thought she can't be she can't be pushing this baby out because I've actually just yeah centimeters but I was like oh no it, he's coming and and I was sure he was coming and I said well can you check me but I'm not laying down she said well, I can't check you if you're not laying down I said well fine so I checked myself and I could feel his head oh, wow. so I it was incredible really it just goes to show you know birth isn't this kind of one centimeter an hour or half centimeter you know whatever they say absolutely yeah you're not on a graph your body's going to do what it's going to do and um at that point my blood pressure really is going through the roof because I you know so much energy is being put into pushing (laughs) and at that point I accepted gas and air and actually having gas and air was really great for focusing my breath and making sure I was bearing down and again, that's something when I was listening to people talk about the birth stories about, oh, but how do I know how to bear down? And I know people yeah. don't even call it the pushing stage, but you know, your body really is going, all the motion is going in that direction. And it just happens. Like, yeah. there's, there's no way of describing it. Really. There's not, I know. There's not. It it's just, like, it's like doing, a, doing a poo, really. I mean, yeah. <laughs> or like being sick is another way that I describe it. Because you, although that's obviously going in the other direction, but you can't stop it it just is your body does it you know you can't Mm. hold it in Mm. you know it just does it so yeah it's a similar it's very difficult to explain to people that have not done it I always find Mm. it hard to say like you will just know like your body Mm. will just do it but it it is like that that is what it's like you do you just have to trust trust that your body is doing what it's meant to and even at that point so the kind of with a bit of dis- disbelief, <laughs> uh, consult- you know, my blood pressure was obviously very high and she went and told consultant that that was the case. And so I could see they're about to enter the room and I was like, they're not allowed in here. I said, oh, they're not coming in here now. And I said that to Alf's dad. I was like, please stand by the door and make sure they're not coming in. And he did. He guarded the door and they said, look, we have to speak. He was like, speak to me. Don't speak to her. And he said, no, we have to speak to her so she can hear. So they were like yelling through the door, like, this baby needs to come quickly. And I was like, what point? Helpful. I'm, I'm so like, helpful. I'm absolutely giving birth right now. Like, at what point do you think this yeah. isn't happening quickly? And I said, I think I said, 
or I was like, well, how long have I got? And they were like, at least four hours. And in their head, I'm four centimeters. And I'm like, if you read a woman's body, you would absolutely know. You're like about to give birth. Yeah. Literally about to give birth. You know, I can feel my baby's head and you don't think this baby's coming (laughs) in the next, you know, how many tens of minutes. So they also shouted some very unhelpful things through the door about infant mortality. (gasps) And at that point, Oh my God. Alf's dad was really like, you're being coercive, leave. And absolutely leave right now. That is so bad. Which is really bad. It's really bad. And I mean, I have to tell it because I don't want, I really don't want people to be scared. And this isn't going to be people, everyone's. It's the reality. when they go to, but it is a reality. And also I was deemed this really high risk person that wasn't doing what they wanted. You know, I'm, showing sides of my cancer even though I'm being treated for it so it's not like I'm saying no to that treatment but also I'm 43 weeks and they have never seen a woman yeah give birth at 43 weeks so they're petrified yeah and they're I'm sure they were expecting this baby's going to be giant they haven't <laughs> let us check the scan you know do a rough scan measurement yeah you know oh we, she might need assistance and yeah. I'm like get out yeah um and you know he came really easy like not ideal that his head was up um, his hand was up by his head but he came out fine it's only like a real mild tear nothing to be too scared by I'm not that it's scary anyway but it's natural to tear in birth so I want to make sure I said that because I mean it's really unusual even for people not to tear a little bit yeah um and he came out bright-eyed um and also something I had been concerned about was the placenta, because I did a lot of research as well on, well, you know, what happens when the placenta's coming out? And mm. and I feel like sometimes everyone's birth story stops once. Yeah, you're right. The baby's here. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but what happens next? What happens next? Yeah. And um, and actually, I'd been concerned that maybe it might take a long time. And it can. It can take a long time for yeah. the placenta to be birthed. But actually, my placenta came away within five minutes. Wow, so really? Very, very quickly. Yeah. And it, I think it's just my body was ready. Like, yeah. I was absolutely ready to given birth and so it wasn't retained everything was fine the placenta came out and completely healthy so all of this chat from people initially saying oh the placenta can fail it it didn't fail he was fine and he was what did he weigh six pounds he was six pounds 14 yeah like that he was not close to being a big baby (laughs) no not at all that is like absolutely not uh, yeah like kind of on the smaller side really isn't it so it's yeah like Oh, and I yeah. think to myself now, like, what would have happened if I hadn't done all that saying no two weeks before that? Because he wasn't, he would have been he small. wasn't ready. He'd have been He'd small, have been small and yeah. he wouldn't have been ready. <clears throat> so I think really that experience, other than the fact, obviously, I was, and I had to go to the high dependency ward afterwards because of the preeclampsia. Yeah. I was fine, but they wanted to monitor me very closely for 24 hours afterwards. Right. For me, I did. It took a, a hell of a lot of no's, but I did give birth without the you know heavy drugs and pain relief, yeah. largely without the continuous monitoring. At least I had somebody there that was willing to fight for that. And also I had the continuous monitoring when it was necessary, when I had the drip, but also I didn't, I actually labored so well once I was off it. Yeah. continuous monitoring yeah and I think that was another thing it was like well know how you're going to labor well so if I was that dead set against it I'm not going to labor well if I'm being really closely monitored yeah so that I was able to achieve those three things even though I wasn't at home 
Oh yeah, I Absolutely. didn't have the Sucho. And so for me, it's taken a little bit of time to kind of come away. I've had I've had a counsellor throughout my whole pregnancy past yeah. it, and I'm trained to be a counsellor. So mental health is quite important. And for me, it did take a bit of time afterwards to kind of debrief yeah. what had happened and the elements that I wasn't happy with, such as, you know, the levels of coercion. Yeah. I found quite difficult to reconcile because I felt I felt like it kind of had tried to overtake, even though I hadn't let it, I yeah. I would lamented the fact that I didn't have this kind of oh, why couldn't they just trust me? Because I trusted yeah. me. Yeah. I know. And I think it did take a bit of coming down, recovering, you know, the postpartum period is a real wild ride as well, a really yeah. wild ride. And it's only now I'm in this kind of nice phase once you get to know your baby and you've you know established all your feeding and all those things that I'm like oh no I really I did it I didn't yeah I didn't succumb to the pressure yeah gosh no empowering bit (laughs) you definitely didn't succumb to the pressure though you did an amazing job yeah like Um, it's you know and it's hard because I suppose in your mind you had a, a different view and then things did change which things do sometimes change you know with your uh, mild preeclampsia and things like that and you know you had to then go down a different path but you still stayed so strong in that and that's what's great because you still trusted your body um, even though they didn't seem to mm, no. um, which is you know that that in itself is hard to fight against if you have people not believing in it in you you know so you, yeah. you did a great job you just trusted your instinct a hundred percent of the time and you'd done your research you know you'd learn all about hypnobirthing you'd learn you know read stats you'd read research which is such a huge part of it and mm. I had somebody come on as a guest a while ago and I always say this as well when I'm teaching now is that she said that she like studied for her birth like it was an exam mm. and I think that is so such a good way of looking at it you know it's it is a yeah maybe just a day of your life but it's such an important day that can shape and change you. And so, you know, studying and treating it like it is something to, you know, really research and know your stuff about is really important. Mm. And look at how much that helped you. Absolutely. And I think it could have really been, if I had no idea, I would have been induced at 41 weeks. And then Easily. he would have been much smaller. Yeah. Your body wouldn't have been ready at all. No, so you and would I would have, have found it definitely harder. I think it would definitely have resulted in it, either four steps yeah, or, or C-section. C-section because my body just literally wouldn't have been close to, no. to giving birth. So I really, yeah, I really hope that for anybody that's particularly approaching that really nitty gritty time at the end where you're having, I mean, even not just medical professionals, but even when you've got people saying, oh, are they here yet? Are they here yet? Mm. And, you know, that drove me insane after that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> three weeks you know you had a while people, of it and I did and I, I would recommend anyone do this but I changed my, my whatsapp status to I'm still pregnant I will let you know when I'm not and just you know I had to tell people please stop yeah. asking because it's not you know you might think you're only checking up on me every other day but I also have 10 people doing that or 15 exactly. people doing that every day so that's a lot, a lot of, of going back and saying no no because you know you're disappointed enough yourself you know you really yeah. want this baby at this point yeah so everyone else's tenderhooks yeah is just as stressful 
And um, I really hope if anybody is approaching that kind of crunch point now, or if you are thinking you've got to that 41 week mark and you're still not there, you know, unless there's a real, real reason that you think something's not right, you know, do you trust your body? Yeah, absolutely. If you're having a like healthy kind of normal, non-complicated pregnancy that, and you know, and, the baby's fine like you feel fine the baby's okay like there's really nothing to panic about and actually the uh, nice guidelines say that going over due is actually not a medically justified reason for induction like they actually say that that it's not a good enough reason to induce somebody being just over this kind of magical day that they (laughs) create um so you know yeah listen to yourself and do your research like you did because that's where you get a lot of your your power from and you know your your knowledge obviously so it's really important but thank you oh I love your story so much it's so good (laughs) I really did it's a really good story people are going to find it really helpful definitely so thank you so much for uh for sharing it and yeah it's been lovely to talk to you and yeah hear your story I love it (laughs) thanks so much Claire thank you so much Bye. bye A huge, huge thank you to Melanie for sharing her story. I really, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And yeah, it just shows, you know, 43 weeks, it can be done if you feel happy and, you know, everyone's okay, baby's okay, you're okay. There really is no massive cause for concern. As always, I will leave all of the links below to my courses. I have upcoming courses running until the end of the year, which is really exciting. And as always, I have my essentials course uh, which is actually a year old now which is amazing and it's suitable for anyone throughout their pregnancy worldwide if you have got a bit less time in your pregnancy then it would be great for you if you're in need of a refresher it would be great or if you're just on a budget it's also great but as always I have my group courses as well so I'll leave links to all of those below thank you so much for listening I'll see you next time bye